Welcome to the Deerfield Family Theater Podcast. As part of our Meet the Production Team series, I had the privilege and honor to speak with Ellen Singer, the Big Fish Music Director. Speaking of Big Fish, in case you're tuning in and didn't already know, DFT is putting on a performance of Big Fish this November of 2022. Opening night is this Friday, November 11th, and that show is already sold out. So visit DeerfieldTheater.com to purchase tickets for one of the other five performances over this weekend and the next one. Without further delay, here's the interview. Ellen Singer, thank you so much for joining me on the DFT podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Uh, so just go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, well, let's see. I grew up in Buffalo Grove and I still live there. I've uh, raised my kids here and I've been uh, a music teacher for a very long time. And uh, this is the first time that I have uh, worked with Deerfield Family Theater. Very excited about it. Um, and Big Fish is a great show. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, at least the movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, and the fact that you're a music teacher makes a lot of sense, because uh, while if it wasn't for this podcast, our, uh, you know, our, our the people who come to the show might never know. But you're the music director this year, which is very exciting. So we're happy to have you. Um, like what? So, so just tell tell our listeners, like, what, what does a music director do for a show like this? Um, so I'm in charge of any anything that has to do with music. So, um, for example, any songs that the actors are singing, um, it's my job to prepare them, teach them the songs, um, work on their technique. Um, and then uh, on the flip side, I also have to work with the musicians. So we've got a, a really small pit orchestra for the show. It's six players. And so I would rehearse with them um, and then putting the two together. And um, so when we get to the point when we are running the show in the performance space uh, with our musicians, then I work, uh, I'll direct the show. And so setting the pace, setting the tempo, um, starting and stopping the orchestra um, to go along with what I've worked on with the vocalists as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, if somebody's you know, thinking about, you know, oh, music director, that sounds fun. You know, I want to do that. Like, what does somebody have to do to, to end up, you know, directing a musical? Uh, well, I've, you've got to be able to uh, read music, and I think some experience um, with either singing or performing on an instrument is good. I have both, um, so I really understand both sides of it, um, but I think you can still learn about it um, from doing one or the other, um, but def definitely understanding the big picture of how a musical gets put together um, and understanding that the, the director of the show, the conductor, um, is really setting the pace for the whole show, starts and stops everything. Um, so I think you have to just really have a big picture understanding of how a musical works and gets put together and then um, know something about music. So you don't necessarily have to have a degree to do something like this, like community theater. Um, but if you have been involved in band or choir or singing, um, then I think that's a, a really good start. Oh, so this is exciting. So you, um, so you do it all. You sing. You play instruments. What kind of instruments uh, do you play? Uh, well, the first instrument I learned how to play was the guitar. Although I'm not very good at it, I don't really play it anymore. Um, but I, in school, I played flute and piccolo, and I still play a little bit. Um, I was playing in the Deerfield Community Band for a couple of years uh, pre-COVID, and uh, so that was really fun to do. Um, and then as a teacher, uh, I've learned how to play the piano. So I would not call myself a, a pianist by any means, but I know how to play in order to teach. So yeah, definitely. And I've, yeah, I've 
played around a little bit with the saxophones, trying to see if I could learn how to play that. It's kind of fun once you play a few instruments to see what other instruments you can learn how to play. Yeah, yeah. I um, We share that in common that my first instrument was the guitar, but I'm also not very good at it <laughs> anymore. It's, it's been a very long time. Uh, I did learn piano in college. Uh, my fraternity had a piano and we were by the music school, so we had a lot of, uh, you know, fraternity brothers in the music uh, courses there. And, and I went to Indiana University for undergrad. And so I was like, well, I got to sign up for a, a piano you know, course. And now we have a piano in the home. So um, I would definitely not consider myself a pianist as well. Um, but I could certainly like listen to pop songs and figure out how to play them on the piano. Right. Um, That's great. I, it's a, it's I uh, any instrument is great, uh, but there's just something about the piano that's like you could really you could play anything on the piano, you know, pretty much if you could figure it out. Um, I I love it. So, um, but my music reading abilities are more for singing purposes than for actually playing uh, music. So I um, uh, definitely that's one of my weaker things. I could not be a music director, in other words. Um, But if anyone else who's out there listening wants to, uh, uh, definitely the reading music thing. uh, That's that's a pretty important part, I think. and uh, and so so obviously you said you you performed uh, with uh, you know the um, uh, Deerfield group uh, you know what other sorts of uh, performances have you been a, a part of uh, over the years? Uh, well, I've mostly been behind the scenes um, for a very long time. Probably um, the last time that I sang in public probably was in college, uh, which was a really long time ago. Um, but except for like a Star Spangled Banner here and there at a convention when somebody said, oh, you know, Ellen's here and, and she can sing. So will you, will you do it? Um, but I really don't go around performing too much um, singing wise, which is odd because I'm a choir director and mostly spend my time teaching kids how to sing. Um, but I do enjoy playing my flute and piccolo. That's kind of my hobby now since it's not part of my job. Um, yeah, so I was uh, in the marching band at the University of Illinois, and they have an alumni band for homecoming every year. So I try as hard as I can to get down there every fall and play in, in the alumni band um, so that I can you know, keep playing a little bit. And um, I played in the Deerfield uh, Community Concert Band for about four years right before COVID. Yeah. So hope to get back into that someday. Oh, that's super interesting. So how does that work when you go back and play with the alumni band? Because it's not like you're practicing together. Like, do, are, do you all just sync up like right away? You're able to get into that that rhythm? Yeah, we are. One of the uh, the current directors or sometimes one of the, the retired directors will come in and work with us um, just for a couple of hours. So we have one really quick rehearsal. And a lot comes back to you. You know, they they you know mentioned just some of the the techniques and the stylistic things that they had taught us when we were in college, and it it tends to come back to you. And then as soon as you're working with the the college kids and you hear them playing, you you just kind of jump right back into it. Uh, so um, so let's talk about some of the things that you that you teach. Um, uh, I know you're at the uh, the Rochelle Zell Jewish High School as the artistic director. Is that right? Yeah, and, that's one of my titles and, there. And so, okay, so one of titles. So what else do you do at the school? Okay, uh, I was first hired to direct the choir. And then um, after a few years, we decided to bring the musical back. So I became the musical director um, the, and direct the entire show, not just the music directing, but the whole show. Um, and then I became the department chair for the uh, arts and electives department. And so I oversee all of the elective classes that students take there. Um, and then I oversee the productions as well as 
directing them. So that's how I'm the artistic director. So I wear lots of hats in the building. All right. All right. You can't get enough music, can you? So, okay. So then there's this, there's this cool thing. Uh, I think it sounds cool. It's the RZ Capella, uh, a, uh, an acapella group. Um, uh, what, what's the inspiration maybe behind that name and what's it like, uh, advising that group? Sure. Um, so a number of years ago, I had a student who had the idea to start an acapella group as a club. Um, there's lots and lots of clubs at our school. Clubs meet um, during lunch every single day of the week. Um, kids are really involved in clubs. And one of the one of my students said, hey, I'd really like to start an acapella club and came up with, with the title RZ Capella. Um, so uh, they meet like one day a week during lunch and they will sometimes write their own songs. They'll take songs and then write arrange acapella arrangements of them. Um, sometimes they want to use something that's already written. And I, I sit there and I just advise them. I kind of let them lead the way. It's really a student-led organization. Um, but, you know, sometimes they come to me and want my expertise. How does this sound? What do you think of this? Um, you know, we're stuck on this part. What can we do here? And then I'll give them some suggestions. But it's really fun to watch them take the lead. Uh, with something musical and, and do it on their own and really make it their own. So it's really fun for them. Yeah. Yeah. What, so what, what is something that like um, that maybe you think audience goers or, or um, theater goers, you know, people in the audience, like what they don't see uh, that might surprise them about um, sort of the behind the scenes music work going on during a performance? I think that well, I guess it depends if you're talking about playing in the in the orchestra, like say for a musical, um, there's a lot going on down there. Um, not only is the conductor like keeping time and sharing entrances and cutoffs and things like that, but then you've got to um, allow for actors walking across the stage. So say there's um, they've finished a song, but there's still some music that's supposed to be played. So the conductor needs to keep an eye on uh, the, what the cast is doing, say they're supposed to play until an actor leaves the stage. So then you really have to be actively watching that. You sometimes, depending on where the orchestra is placed, the director might um, be you know, under the stage in a pit and have a, a monitor so they can watch what's going on up above them, or they might be on the stage and then there's a way for them to see. Um, and then you know, giving the orchestra the cue to stop the music as soon as you know, whatever has needed to happen happens, like the actor walks off the stage then, okay, now we can cut that music out. And then same thing with, with entrances. Um, as far as the singers on, who, who are doing the, um, the acting as well, um, there's a lot that goes into the memorization and not only memorizing the words, you know, I always think about, oh, you got to memorize the words and the melody, mm -hmm. but um, also listening then to the orchestra and making sure that making sure that they're staying together as well. So yeah, there's, there's a lot going on in everybody's heads that you don't really see happening while you're watching a performance. So a really good performance, the audience has no idea. Uh, but it's yeah. like it's like a it's like a dance. You have to be paying attention yeah. to your partner and you you sort of go with the flow, right? Yeah. And and so when it comes to rehearsals and and getting to that point, it's not always going to be the same performance every single night. It's going to be in a little a little bit of an ebb and flow depending on, you know, how how long of a gait maybe the the performer has on stage as they're going off stage, which could change from night to night, right? Absolutely, yeah. You never have the same performance twice. There's always something something that happens. And one thing that I that I always tell um, my students or adults that I'm working with is that you can't expect perfection. 
you know, that I think that's one of the unique things and the fun things about live performance is it is never going to be the same twice. And so you sometimes you just have to go with it. If something is just happening a little bit differently than it did in, in a rehearsal or the majority of performances, then, then you just have to go with it and let it happen. And, and that can be really fun and exciting as well. Yeah, yeah, it, def- it definitely keeps it interesting. Like I, I, um, I've performed on stage before, and uh, and this is what I love about this podcast is I'm learning new things. Like now, I could I could empathize a little bit with uh, uh, the band in the pit now uh, because I'm like, oh, like like I'm just like I'm up there, I'm performing. Like they're gonna do whatever they need to do, and I'll you know do what I need to do. But now I'm I'm realizing just how good they are <laughs> because they're paying attention to me and they're they're listening. They're, it's not just like. Um, you know, if you're in an orchestra and you have a performance or a concert, you know, you rehearse, you rehearse, you rehearse, you get, a, you know, you get to the performance, you play and and that's all you need to do. But this is so much more engaging as uh, as, as somebody who's in in the band uh, or, you know, performing the music for a live musical like this. That is super fascinating to me. I'm, I'm learning that I've, I've been in it for years. I'm learning this for the first time. Great. I'm glad. Glad I taught you something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so if if uh, if those out there, if everyone listening already knew it, I learned something new uh, <laughs> during the interview. Um, oh, that's so that's so cool. Um, so um, like like what if somebody is thinking, you know, yeah, I, you know, orchestra uh, band, you know, for musical, that's what I want to do. Are there are there any particular types of instruments that are, are more common uh, among um you know, musically inclined people for, um, you know, for a musical type performance? Like, are, are there any, like, as much as I think the piccolo is really cool, and I remember looking into that when I was like in fifth grade, you know, maybe the piccolo is not the best instrument if you want to be playing music for uh, a musical. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. Like, what what are some instruments, like, if they're, if we're, you know, they're listening in and they're young, you know, that they might want to look into? Okay. Well, um, I really think you need pretty much all the instruments in the orchestra can be used in an orchestra pit for a musical. Um, a lot of it depends on the style of the musical. If you've got a musical that um, is maybe an older musical, um, like maybe written in the 50s or the 60s, you're going to have pretty large pit orchestras a lot of times. Um, if you've got more recent musicals, um, like something like what we're doing with Big Fish, um, the small cast edition only has six musicians in the pit. Um, and it's, you know, it's, the music is a lot more similar to popular music. So you're going to have, you know, your your typical rock band instruments, you know, you're, you're going to have a drum set, you're going to have a, a bass, a guitar, um, piano, um, and then our score also calls for a violin and a cello. Um, and then so you know, like if you're if you're playing any like a, like a string instrument, like a violin or a cello, you're probably just going to play the, the one instrument that you play. Um, but you know, going back to the piccolo, um, the piccolo definitely supplies color, you know, to uh, to a show, and it, it can definitely be used. Um, but you wouldn't just be the piccolo player in the orchestra. Um, you might put, be one of the woodwind players, so you might be asked to play the piccolo, the flute, the clarinet, and the alto saxophone, for instance. And so the music in the book uh, will tell you what instrument to play at what time. And so you've got all those instruments sitting on stands around your chair, and then you pick up the one that is needed at that moment. Um, and then there might be, so there might be two or three woodwind players who are uh, all playing, you know, all sorts of woodwind instruments. Um, and then you've got your brass players. So you usually have a trumpet in a show, a trombone, if you're going to have some brass instruments. 
Um, and then, you know, you drum set and then the drum set can be expanded to all kinds of percussion instruments. So you might have one or two people who are doing the percussion um, and kind of, you know, have lots of instruments spread out in the back of the pit and are kind of running around and um, playing all kinds of different things, depending on what what it calls for. So, um, yeah. 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 Uh, so obviously you've been you've been in the space for a long time, uh, mostly behind the scenes, like you said, are, have there, are there any performances or um, uh, are there any productions that stick out in your mind as like this was a really fun thing to do and and why? Um, yeah, I played in the pit orchestra um, many years ago. The first time I did it, the first show that we I played for was Evita, and it actually did have a flute piccolo book, <laughs> so it was not a woodwind book. Um, so I got hired to play um, in the show, and it stands out because it was the first time that I had played in a pit orchestra. And high school, I'd always been on the stage, um, so I had hadn't not had that experience yet, and it was just super fun to be down there and be providing all that, you know, all of that background music and accompaniment that we just talked about, and all of the working, you know, with with the performers. So that was that was really fun. Um, other shows that I've done, I would say, my favorite show that I've directed is the Adams Family, uh, which was written by the same. Uh, guy that wrote Big Fish. So um, I think there, there's definitely a similarity there in the style. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, I had the right students for the show. Um, so we did it and it was it was just a, a blast. Um, there's a lot of humor in that show. Um, so it was really fun to talk with the actors about how do you, how do you act so that the audience thinks you're funny? You know, so um, that that was really, I think, a skill to teach. And and then it was just hysterical. I mean, I would just sit there as the, you know, the, the director, but kind of the audience member to give them a reaction to see, you know, how it was going. And I would just be laughing so much during rehearsal. Um, and the music for that show was really fun, really diverse, um, somewhat challenging, but also really rewarding. So that was, I would probably have to say that was my favorite show that I've directed. And unfortunately we didn't get to perform it. We, we uh, opening at night was uh, in two weeks when, when the world shut down, oh, you know, no. when all the schools shut down. Yeah. So it, it will forever be that show out there that I so far haven't been able to you know, come to closure yet, but. Well, one, one day I'm sure. And uh, yes. And, and so then yeah, yeah what, you know, being in the space that you're in, what what was your experience like when uh, when the pandemic happened for the arts world? You know, how how do you recall that moment in time? Um, wow, yeah, it was really really tough. Um, you know, immediately as as a teacher, schools went online, um, and I just you know didn't know what to do. It really was at a loss. You know, I, I an academic subject teacher, math, science, English, whatever you can have a conversation with your students and everybody takes a turn, just like you raise your hand in the classroom, but you can't sing together over Zoom. You know, it, it really does have to be one at a time and with the delay. And so it really became a challenge to figure out how are we gonna work on songs um, as a group when we really couldn't be doing that over Zoom. So that was probably the biggest challenge. And I, I'd say it's been really tough on um, music and theater in general all over the world. Um, it's, it's just been really tough because there was so much that you couldn't do as an ensemble simultaneously, um, you know, during COVID. But um, I, I've just from people that I've talked to, everybody's getting excited, especially this this, you know, this past spring. Um, 
things are starting to go somewhat back to normal and we're just starting to rebuild our programs again, but it was definitely a shock to the system. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, um, I'm that, that the performing that I alluded to earlier is the Chicago bar show, which is the singing dancing lawyers, um, in Chicago. And, and what we did is, uh, yeah, it was, it was impossible to do a, uh, you know, sing together on a virtual, you know, remote recording. So, um, we, uh, the like the band recorded a track, and then we all had to record our piece individually to the track, and had to sync up. And if they needed to, you know, thankfully we kept the performances small. You know, a small cast of each each song that year. Um, but you know, if you had to, if someone was like way off sync and you couldn't fix it in post, you had to film it again. Thankfully, it was only like you know two or three minutes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did some of that too. We we. Uh... We, we did that where I had our accompanist play the accompaniment track. And then she, from that, she made tracks that the students could sing along with. So there was the soprano track and the alto track and, you know, tenor and the bass right. tracks. And so um, you could put that into your headphones and listen to that and sing along with it. That way there wasn't any issue with syncing up. Um, but as you know, it's nothing at all compared to singing with other people, right? Which I think is the, the reason that people join a choir <laughs> because you want to be with other people singing together. And so singing, you know, in your bedroom into your laptop is not quite the same. I mean, it was all we could do, right? but, but yeah, but it was really lacking. You really couldn't have that camaraderie that you have when you're singing with a choir. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I know some like social audio apps like Clubhouse. They did like some music settings where like you could kind of do it because you're not using videos, so the delay is not as much. And but I, I do wonder. Like, I, I kind of want to after this interview, I want to go look at the tools. Like, did anything come out of the pandemic for like asynchronous or or remote music learning or or collaboration? I, I wonder. Um, yeah, there's an app called the Acapella app. I haven't used it, but I was told that it, it works for like really small groups. Like say you're just doing like a quartet um, that, that you could do that and, and sing together. Um, but yeah, I'm, the virtual choirs were, were fun to do. I did one myself with other professionals um, and it was, it was something to pass the time and feel like you had a, a singing project to work on. So that made it really fun and re rewarding. Um, but I'm just happy to be able to sing in the same room as other people again. Yeah. So, okay. Well, well, uh, yeah, well, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic. We're performing again. This will be, you know, year two back, at least for DFT, which is exciting. We're, we're super happy. You know, Big Fish is going to be a lot of fun. The last question I have for you uh, sort of goes a little bit to what you were saying about your favorite time being a director where you got to like laugh as they were performing. How about when you're just an audience member, when you're just a theater goer or a consumer, like what have been some of your favorite uh, shows that you've been to uh, just uh, as a person? Sure. Well, growing up, um, I became a huge Andrew Lloyd Webber fan. So really any show that Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, produced, um, that was like my favorite show at the moment. And then, um, more recently, I'd say I'm a, I'm a huge Wicked fan, um, and I just saw Six, which was outstanding, and I can't get the music out of my head. So that's my, my new favorite show. All right. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And that's our show. Please share this podcast to help support the work of Deerfield Family Theater. An even better way to support DFT is to go see Big Fish. Visit DeerfieldTheater.com to purchase tickets. As always, links are in the show notes. 
If you'd like to get in touch, send us a voice message at anchor.fm slash DFT. We might even add your voice message to a future show. Until next time, thanks to everyone who continues to support the arts. We'll see you at the theater.